Pie. Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, Leah Hextall's Stanley Cup final preview. A champion beer miler gets me ready for running the beer mile this weekend. Ugh, not sure that's a good idea. And Bob Irving's latest from Blue Bobber Training Camp on the podcast. Stanley Cup final begins on Monday. But we got some time to preview it right now. So Leah Hextall joins us as she does every Friday at this time. Uh, Leah, are you getting tired of these nights with no uh, no NHL hockey? Well, I might be if we didn't have things like, say, the Raptors giving us excitement mm, okay. or what should have been the gold ice tonight. I'm so sad to see that they're rained out tonight, but they'll, as you mentioned, get it in tomorrow in one of my all-time favorite little ballparks out there. Um, but, no, I was uh, – Christian, I was like many, I thought, why are they waiting till Monday? Why wouldn't they start it on Saturday? But now that the Raptors are playing in a very big game on Saturday, which could send them to the NBA Finals, I'm okay with it because now we don't have to choose. But uh, it's been a bit of a break, and that could actually play into the Stanley Cup Final. Before we get to that, did the NHL at all take into account the NBA schedule? Is that why they waited till Monday? Why Do we know why they waited so long? You know what, I've never had anyone in the NHL tell me that, but I have been in scheduling meetings when I was in when I was working for Sportsnet, and obviously with Sportsnet being the home of hockey here in Canada for the broadcast rights, it is something that plays in. They understand that the NBA Finals is something that's going to go on often at the same time as the Stanley Cup Final, and it's not so much up here in Canada, because this year, a little bit different, we have a team that's still viable, but with only one team, it's not that big of a a deal up here for the Canadian broadcasters, but it's definitely something for NBC to consider because they obviously don't have the rights to the NBA. That's ABC, ESPN down in the States. And it is something that they watch. That's often why you might see an afternoon game of of the Stanley Cup final instead of an evening game if the NBA finals are going at the same time. Because why compete if you don't have to? So this layoff is going to be 11 days by the time the Bruins get going Monday night. That can't be good for them, right? Well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't think so normally. I I mean, I've been the one who's always talked about, you know, rest is great because it helps with injuries. But at this time of year when you get to the Stanley Cup final, both teams right now, knock on wood, are quite healthy when you look at them really you know, it came down to Zidane O'Chara being the only one really that was questionable. Kevin Millar is not going to be back anytime soon, the defenseman. But Zidane O'Chara was a little questionable. He wasn't been playing game four when they swept Carolina due to an undisclosed. But he's back on the ice participating in a full scrimmage the Bees had the other day. And then St. Louis was only really missing defenseman Vince Dunn, who has an upper body injury, who was injured in the Western Conference Final in game three. So these are two substantially as healthy as you can be at this time of year. So I honestly feel that this may lend itself to the Blues. I think the Blues are really rolling right now, and the sooner the Blues can get back on the ice, the better. But at this time of year, Christian, and with the talent that Boston has, I truly believe that it might take them a few shifts and they'll be back at it and rolling the way they should. The question mark is, does it affect the goaltender in Tuka Rask, who had been playing so well leading up to the Stanley Cup final? Well, he's really the X factor because he was so good in those first three rounds, especially rounds two and three, as they won their last seven games against Columbus and Carolina. It's a great goaltending matchup between Rask and Biddington, but what do you see as the warm-up period for a guy like Rask, or does he really need it? Will he just snap right into where he was before? 
Well, that's why I say that, to your point, that is the X factor, because the one thing that you cannot simulate in practice is the way a real NHL game works. I mean, for most sports, people could say, well, that's the same to be said for every sport. But to be to have a scrimmage and to have practices for 11 straight days and then have to jump back into game form, it's probably going to take a little bit. It's also the fact that that's where maybe St. Louis could be a little bit more aggressive on him. They want to get pucks at him real quick because he hasn't played for so long. We're Binghamton on the other side. Yes, there's a few days rest, but not nearly the time period. So it's going to be interesting. But, you know, for me, both these goaltenders, it's, it really is. I think, Christian, and I'd, I'd be interested in your thoughts. To me, every Stanley Cup final really comes down to goaltending. It is the main factor of who's going to hoist that cup. And when you look at Rask, he's been in a Stanley Cup final before. He was there in 2013 when the Bruins lost to Chicago. So he has that experience. He understands what it's going to take. But what we've seen from Jordan Bennington, he might be a rookie up for the Calder Trophy, but this kid has nerves of steel, and nothing seems to faze him even winning. I mean, even when they won and were advancing to the Cup final, he looked like it was just another game. So... I just, you know, I truly believe that it's going to be whatever goaltender plays better is likely going to be the team to come out of this because at this point, both these teams are excellent. One of the things we talked about before the West Final was the offense that San Jose brought to the table that maybe San Jose, or that St. Louis hadn't dealt with before. The Blues had, had maybe some trouble the first few games dealing with that but had no issues over the last couple. How is Boston now a different animal to, that presents itself to St. Louis? Boston is an animal. It's an offensive animal. I mean, when you look at what they've been able to do, and it all starts with that top line of Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pasternak. I mean, Marchand's second in scoring right now. He's got 18 points, and he's been sensational. But that line itself has 15 points, including six game-winning goals. They are the type of players that when you need them to step up, they are going to step up for you. And the one thing that I really have to me is another X factor. It's very hard for me to ever bet against Patrice Bergeron. There is something about him. Not only is he excellent in the face-off circle, not only is he on the best line in hockey right now, and he's such a leader, but this is a guy who played with a puncture lung in the Stanley Cup final against Chicago, and he played all the way through it. He's such a warrior, and there's just something. And also with his Olympics experience, we've seen it there as well. I just have trouble betting against him. And for me, the other question for St. Louis is how are they going to handle Marchand? Because it's not just about his offense. Is he going to be able to do what he did to Carolina and Justin Williams and get under the skin of some of their mainstays, like the Ryan O'Reilly's of the world? If Marchand can do that and put the Bruins on the power play, their power play has just been lights out in these playoffs. I mean, those three players alone could be telling in this series. But let's not forget, 19 players on this Bruins roster have produced to their offense this playoff, so there is balanced scoring throughout. On the Blues side, a lot of their scoring has come from Jaden Schwartz, who's been amazing after really having an just an okay, if not a little bit subpar regular season. But after him, they've had really rare contributions from guys like Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko. Braden Shen just got his first of the postseason, so mm-hmm. it's been kind of slow for a lot of their bigger names. If the Bruins can slow down Schwartz, who else is there that can help lift the load? 
Well, to your point, Schwartz, obviously what he's been doing in this playoffs is unbelievable. He's just behind Marshan. He's got 16 points in 19 games this playoffs, and 12 of those are goals. But I will say this, Vladimir Tarasenko, let's not forget in the Western Conference Final, he had a point in every single game in that Western Conference Final. So he is producing. He did slow down in the second round, absolutely. But we saw him return to a good form. And hopefully for them, with a player like Braden Shen, the thing about Shen is he might have not been scoring, but he was getting his opportunities. And as long as he keeps going, I think it will hopefully eventually come for the Blues. But what I've really noticed, especially in that Western Conference Final, and this is what we talk about where Stanley Cups are won on third and fourth lines, and this could speak value for the Blues. Is Ivan Barbashev, Oscar Sundquist, who we saw quite a bit in the series against Winnipeg, and Alexander Steen, they had eight points as a line, as a fourth line in that Western Conference Final. So if they can continue to step up where their other players, to your point, Ryan O'Reilly might be suffocated by the Bruins, which often happens with matchups, I think they're really going to rely on their bottom six to have to help them out if they're going to overcome this Bruins team. I think after the first round of the chaos that happened, we looked at the teams remaining and thought, or from NBC's perspective and the league's perspective, the best possible final would be Blues Bruins. Blues Bruins. Yes, that's it. Blues Bruins. (laughs) It's been a long week of cough syrup. That's all right. Sky will clip that for later. Um, And they got it. So here we are now, based on your Hexel and Hockey yesterday, it sounded like you're picking the Blues. Is that accurate? You know, when we talked last Friday, I was sitting here saying, I don't know who's who's going to beat this Bruins team because they look so dominant against Carolina. But here's the thing, and here's always the thing when it's East versus West. It is such a different game. And the more I watched what the Blues were able to do to San Jose, and San Jose is a good hockey club. And not only are they good this year, they've been good for a decade. They are really strong and you know, quite frankly, the Blues just grinded them down to the point where they had players out of their lineup. The will to win wasn't there. They were able to, you know, basically shut down so many of their players just through grinding and grinding and grinding. And I'm wondering how the Bruins are going to be able to handle that. I'm wondering how that top line with Marchand and Pasternak How are they going to handle the weight of the Blues? I know that everybody gets probably tired of hearing, well, it's a different game in the West. It's a heavier game, but it truly is. It's the reason that we saw Eric Carlson likely battle the injuries that he did this year and likely head back to the East if he can in free agency. You add the travel. You add the weight. It's a tough conference to get out of. And right now, I think the other part of that, which makes me believe in the Blues, is that they have belief. And I know that might sound corny to people, but – Look what they've done. I mean, I said it in my Hexel on hockey. We're talking about a team that has 17 losses in their last 81 games. That's almost an entire regular season. 17 losses. And as great as the Bruins are, I just have this gut feeling that the St. Louis Blues, it may be time to rectify 1970, and perhaps it will be one of the Blues players soaring through the air and over time instead of the icon Bobby Orr. All right, so before I let you go, just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on uh, the NH- NWHL and its Players Association coming to an agreement yesterday for, a, I guess it was a one-year deal? 
It was a one-year deal. So, you know, I don't have too much to say about this, Christian, because honestly, we've been here before. I mean, they signed a one-year deal. It's going to increase salaries, apparently, and it's going to be, and I shouldn't say apparently, it's going to increase salaries for what it states in the agreement. And there's a 50-50 split between related revenues, which is kind of like hockey-related revenues. But the fact of the matter is, is that a year ago, they increased salaries. And by the second season, they had to cut them by 50% towards the tail end of the season. The reason being is that the league is not sustainable. It always comes back to the format that they're in, the infrastructure that they have is not sustainable. So while it's always great to see women players get more, again, the goal is for them to get more year in after year. And that's what the goal is. And so to me, this deal honestly doesn't mean a lot. All right, Lee, I appreciate your time as always. Have a good weekend. Don't get wet there, Christian. I've got the windows closed. Don't worry. Oh, she's playing glorious. Nice. She? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> ah, all right. Have a good weekend. That's Leah Hextall, our hockey expert here on CJOB. So uh, I'm going to be doing something that's a little crazy tomorrow. I'm going to be running in uh, an unofficial beer mile that my gym is putting on. And so I thought to to get some pointers and to ex- help explain the challenge of the beer mile, we're joined by Corey Gallagher, who's the defending Manitoba Marathon champion and a former beer mile champion as well. Corey, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. Yourself? Doing well, Corey. So when was the first time that you decided to try the beer mile? Oh, that was, I was 18, so 2006, I think, was my first one. And you were a runner for a long time, right, before that? Always been a runner. Started running when I was about 12 years old. It was kind of the end of track season. They kind of do a, something fun at the first year of university. Uh, they have a beer mile at the end of your season just to kind of have some fun, get together with all the guys. And, yeah, it's just uh, it was a bad experience for me, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> what went wrong? Uh, I underestimated how hard it would be. It kind of seemed like it'd be a little easier. And then the more I was running and the further I got into it, I realized that holding down uh, all the fluids with all the carbonation and running and breathing heavy became a lot more of a challenge than I expected. Okay. So how long did it take you? Do you remember? Uh, I think my first time was around like 14 minutes. I had a penalty lap. I hated everything. I just wanted to quit, but they wouldn't let me. So let's uh, just, for the rules of it, you you drink a beer, you run a lap, times four, yep. right? And if you vomit at any point, you got to do a penalty lap. Yes. Okay. So, and there are there are rules surrounding the kind of beer you can consume, right? Yes. So anything above 5%, and it's supposed to be a minimum of 355 milliliters. So most people use cans, but after a while, you realize that cans are a lot slower, so we switched to bottles once I became a better drinker. The only downside is with a bottle, it's very unforgiving. If you stop drinking halfway through, the whole thing foams up and sprays everywhere, and it's it's a bad mix. Okay, so... That was the first time you did the beer mile. How many do you think you have now run in your career? Oh, well over 30. Okay. Now, you said to to get it to be a better drinker. What do you mean by that? Just the technique of drinking? 
technique of it now i've as i've gotten a little older and a little more wise i realize that the running isn't the end all be all it's about just trying to control your breathing more and trying to be steady for when you're doing the drinking and getting it up okay so yeah you're a you're a fast runner obviously compared to someone who's just doing it for fun that isn't normally a runner like myself how fast was your fastest beer mile uh 448 Oh, my God. <laughs> and how fast is your fastest just straight mile without the beer? Uh, it probably would have been that if you canceled out that. I don't do many miles. It's more of an American thing. But I think I was like 430, something like that was my fastest mile. So your chugging was good. Chugging was point on. Yeah, my running was okay. a little slow. <laughs> okay. So what was your beer of choice? I actually ended up going with a Bud Light Platinum out of a bottle, and it's it's actually it's Bud Light, but it's actually six percent. Okay, and what was so good about it? Was it just the smoothness of it? It went down just so smooth. I felt like it was less carbonation out of everything that I tried. And initially, we were trying beers. And we weren't sure what we could get in the States. So when I went down there for the World Championships, it was a lot of trial and error, testing different beers out. And that seemed to be the one that was the best for me. To be clear, we are not sponsored by any beer company for this segment. We are just talking about the beers. What was the worst one in your experience that had, the, the I guess, the worst effect on you? Oh, there's been a few. Every now and then you'll get a batch of beer that is just... It's just a bad batch where either the caps are twisted off or like the caps don't seal correctly. And when you try and open it, it, it's a twist off, but the cap will be on, it'll be slightly off and it'll tear up your hand. And then the carbonation is weird inside. I've had a few just weird batches. Okay. So I guess that's a a point to make then that the bottle or can is unopened when you start. So having a pop off might be a bit of a, a hindrance. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so I always, like, after I sliced open my hand from trying to open them, I started running with, as weird as this is, a glove on my left hand to crack oh. it open so there'd be no slip and I wouldn't cut open my palm. <laughs> okay. How many times have you, I guess, how many times did you have to do a penalty lap? How many times? I think I've only done a penalty lap once, and that was my okay. first time. And. Maybe I did one my second time. I think my first and second I did, and then I was just, I have to figure it out because they won't let me get out of it, and I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. <laughs> okay. So for, for someone like me who's doing the beer mile for the first time tomorrow, what advice do you have? Don't run as hard as you need. Like, don't go all out. Focus on the drinking, staying relaxed, just a nice, slow, easy pace. So generally what I do is I chuck the beer, run the first 50 meters to 100 meters, I run it kind of slow and make sure I get out all the burps and feel relaxed. Then the next 200 meters till about 300, I run harder. And then the last 100 meters, I try and coast in so that I can slow down, catch my breath a little bit more so it makes the drinking a little bit easier. Do you take any time between you stop running and you start drinking or you just go right into it? Uh, Generally, I go right into it. Usually my exchange zones for grabbing the beer are about five to five and a half seconds. Okay, and uh, in terms of a beer recommendation, I don't, I don't think we do. Can we get platinum Bud Light in Canada? Uh, you can only out of a can, which is uh, it's not legal. I think it's there's or there's the aluminum can versions that are not legal. 
Okay. So I'm going to say no. You can okay. use 341 milliliter uh, bottles, but bottles are just tricky because if you put it up and then put it down too fast, the whole thing's going to foam over. And I think I do know the, the talking to the people at my gym, we, we do have a rule, 355. It's got to be that. So yep. I'm going to go to the, the liquor mart tomorrow morning and see what I can get. Oh, one last question. Uh, temperature yeah. of the beer. What's the oh, ideal? I like, I like it cold. The, the colder it is, I find the less foam there is. Okay. You don't feel like that it, it, it kind of makes you feel a little weirder than if it was room temperature? nothing room temperature i've just had nothing but bad stuff it just like the way it carbonates and foams up is way more than if it's cold and you don't notice the cold when you're running all right sounds good Corey. i appreciate all this advice and we'll <laughs> see how i do tomorrow well keep me posted we'll start with glenn young blue bomber defensive line and linebackers coach who had a 12-year playing career in the NFL and CFL, told Bob Irving today that he's very impressed with what he's seen from the Bombers' front seven after six days of training camp. Uh, well, you know what? There's a lot of speed. There, there's a lot of length. Uh, there's a lot of power. You know, it's kind of an eclectic mix of everything you ever want in the front six, yeah. front seven, however you look at it. Yeah, okay. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been fun for me to watch, to be honest with you. You know, we do one-on-ones every day, and... You know, I, I, I joke with him. I said, you know what? I, I really can't take credit for any of this out here. <laughs> I mean, these guys are special, and that's how I look at them, right? And they're working hard together. They're working well together. Uh, you know, Biggie's uh, getting them all gelled up, and Willie's coming in, being vocal. Jackson's a lot better than he was last year already, from my opinion, just the way he's working. Uh, his hands are good. They're being very disciplined with their technique because I'm a big technical guy, so I try to work hard. And, you know, it's hard for vets, you know, trying to teach an old dog a new trick. But uh, I pride myself on making sure everyone does it correctly. Because when we do it correctly, we're going to be very dominant. But I think what I tell guys all the time is, yeah, you're naturally gifted. But if you're technically sound, you're going to be dynamic. You know, and that's how I always look at everybody. At this level, pros, the better you are technically, the better you're going to be overall. Because we've got great athletes at the pro level. I mean, that's how you get there. That's what gets you there, right? It's your abilities. Uh, but when you're technically sound, not only do you keep a job, you have a long-lasting career. So for my challenge for those guys is always, hey, listen, if you, if you focus on your technique and I drive them hard and I push them hard, if they're not doing it right, I don't care who it is, I'm going to make sure that they're doing it correctly. We watch film every day. I mean, you know, we're working hard on all these different aspects with the inside guys, the outside guys, the linebackers, and they're all doing it well and they're all doing it together and, and they're being disciplined in what we're supposed to do. That's when they can thrive as athletes. Have you found out anything about Willie Jefferson that you didn't know watching him from afar? No, you know what? Uh, you know, you never know anybody when you first kind of see them, meet them. You kind of maybe anticipate a certain thing. But with Willie, I've just really grown to like his personality. You know, he's a, he's a lot different than I thought he was. You know, and uh, I just really enjoy who he is as a person. Generally for me, when I work with guys, I want to find out who they are as people first. And then after that, I can kind of figure out how we can connect as people. And then once I figure out how to connect, then we can start working hard on what I want them to do, what I expect of them, and how to get the most out of those guys. So that's, that's what I've recognized with him. He's, just, he's, a, he's a great guy. He learns a lot. He's always asking questions. If he doesn't know, he's going to ask. Like today, we joked around a little bit. Uh, I put him on the spot. It was cold. Everyone was, we were going through some drills with our fronts, and I was asking him on-spot questions. 
And, you know, he's, <laughs> I caught him off guard a couple times. I said, 50-50 guess, he was wrong every time he guessed. So <laughs> it was still too cold on his brain out there with the weather. And uh, so we had a good smile about that. But uh, for the most part, these guys are pretty sharp. Uh, they're in tune. We're all here for the same goal. And we got a great group of guys to get it done. Santos Knox had developed into a real dynamic linebacker. How big a loss was that? Well, it always is when you put two years and invest two years in a guy and you teach him all that you know and you see him start to shine and flourish and thrive. And, you know, for me, it was a bonus to see how quickly, you know, he, he, he progressed because that's always difficult. You don't know every guy you get, new guy, sometimes it takes three, four, three years, four years, five years, maybe it's a year. You just don't know. With him, it was great to see how quickly it went on. But now for me, it was tough with the loss. But we have guys behind him that are just as good. They have great athletes. And you know what? That's my job. I just got to teach them how to play the game. And so in that process with Kyrie out there, I just got to teach him. And he's been in the system two years. He understands what I expect, what I'm looking for. And he's just as dynamic of a football player, in my opinion. He's just as athletic as anyone we've ever had here. He can run like anyone. He can run. He has power. Uh, he's smart. You know, you combine that with what we do. We, that's what makes us pretty dynamic when we play. Here at Shaw Park, still some people sitting around, but most people have left. Still two geese in right field. No foul balls, but two foul birds. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?